0: Welcome to Alimentary, the podcast series where you will not only learn about your amazing body, how it works, and of course, why food is so important, but also pick up some simple recipes and lifestyle tips and tweaks, which will help you to influence your health in a positive way. Have you ever described an experience or something that has happened to you as gut-wrenching? Do certain situations make you feel sick in your tummy? Have you ever felt butterflies in your tummy? Well, we use these expressions for a reason. Our gastrointestinal tract is sensitive to emotions. Um, Anything from anger, anxiety, sadness, elation, all of these feelings and others can trigger symptoms in our gut. So what I'm going to talk about today is how our brain and our gut in particular, obviously everything's connected, but how our brain and our gut in particular are connected and also how they impact and influence each other. So maintaining a healthy gut is at the heart of every health issue and we should nurture a healthy microbiome in order to support our immune system and our mood even. So let's start by chatting a bit about the brain. So it's a complex organ and it controls thought, memory, emotion, touch, motor skills, vision, breathing, breathing, temperature, hunger, and every process that regulates our body. So together the brain and the spinal cord, which which comes out from the brain and extends down into into our back, they make up the central nervous system or the CNS. So basically there are, I guess we could talk about six main parts. So we have our frontal lobe, and this is where our thinking, our memory, behavior, and movement is controlled. We have our temporal lobe, and this is where our hearing, our learning and our feelings are controlled. We have our parietal lobe, which is language and touch. And we have our occipital lobe, which is sight. Our cerebellum, that manages our balance and coordination. And then we have our brain stem. So from this, uh, breathing, heart rate and temperature are controlled. So then when we look at our gut, our gut is home to hundred trillion microorganisms. Yes, that's a hundred trillion. So we have more microorganisms than actual cells in our body. And collectively, those microorganisms are known as our microbiota. Now, our gut's primary function is the digestion and absorption of nutrients from our food. And then also the excretion of waste. So waste is the food that we don't need. And um, the, food, that, the, the um, food which has no nutrient density, if you like. And then obviously other toxins that we ingest in other, in other ways. So, um, it has a major influence on the the development and the function of the immune system, as well as on the gut brain communications. So our gut is made up of, it starts in our mouth. Of course, we start digesting in our, in our mouth with our saliva, the digestive enzymes in our saliva and that the food obviously travels down through our esophagus into our stomach. Um, Our liver is part of our digestive system and we we had another episode about the liver and how how important that is along with the the gallbladder which produces our bile. Um, We have our pancreas, our large intestine, our small intestine, our appendix, our rectum and then finally our anus. So that's our our, um, digestive system literally begins in our mouth and ends in our butt. So just getting back to the microbiota first of all so it is profoundly important so dr. Rodney Berg of Louisiana State University wrote um, in a public uh, sorry in a paper which he published in uh, trends in microbiology so I'm going to quote him now he said the indigenous gastrointestinal tract microflora has profound effects on the anatomical physiological and immunological development of the host we are the host um, so basically, what he's saying is that our our microbiome, our um, good and bad gut bacteria, have a, a massive, profound effect on our health. Basically, so the microbiota is the variety of microorganisms which live in um, in our human environment, and that includes bacteria, viruses, fungi, and other single cell organisms which which live in our bodies. And then the microbiome is that's the collective genomes of the microorganisms in a given environment that means um all of their genetic material their dna and rna which again we spoke about in in a different um in a different podcast so how the gut and the brain actually influence each other so just to give you i suppose a simple example you know if you think about your favorite meal then that can make you hungry, you know, because your your brain is thinking about it and your gut is getting ready for it, basically. So it starts producing, uh, your stomach starts producing juices to digest it before the food is even eaten. Conversely, if your tummy is upset, you know, if your, your intestine is upset, um, then that's going to send signals to the brain that something is wrong. And then again, a troubled brain. So if you're feeling anxious, that also sends signals back down to the gut. So our stomach or intestinal distress can be either the cause or the product of anxiety, stress or depression. So they're intimately connected and they're influencing each other all the time. So basically our brain will influence our gut in terms of motility. So that means how our food moves through our digestive system. So for example, if you're really anxious or stressed, you might find that you get a bit more constipated. It's going to slow down your digestive system because you're in a state of, uh, you know, high cortisol, high anxiety. It also influences um, our microbial balance. And um, if our gut is toxic, so if we have a poor balance between our good and our bad gut bacteria, if we have a, a... bad bacterial overgrowth then that is going to actually impact the neurotransmitters that are being produced which are important to the brain as well so our gut which isn't healthy can really have a huge impact on our mood and our behavior so we call that the gut-brain axis so the gut-brain axis is just the communication system between the gut and the brain so who's the boss and between the two of them we, I suppose intuitively, we might assume that the brain sends more signals to the gut than the other way around. But actually, 80 to 90% of all messages that travel through the gut-brain axis, so through that communication system, are delivered from the gut to the brain. So this actually means that our gut is far more intelligent than we historically realized. So even things like, you know, we we use all these sayings all the time, things like, what's your gut instinct, you know? um what do you feel in your gut? You know, what's your gut telling you, you know? So so our gut actually has a brain. It's called our enteric brain. It's part of our enteric nervous system. And actually it does, Um, as I said, it talks to the brain more than the brain talks to it. So it's, uh, the state of our gut is hugely important to how our brain is uh, is working. So this second brain uh, consists of like lots of neurons embedded into the walls of the lung, tube of our gut or our alimentary canal, which is what I've called the podcast after. And that measures about, that's about nine meters long from end to end. So that's from our esophagus to our anus is about nine meters long, imagine. So the enteric nervous system can actually operate independently of the brain and the central nervous system. So, you know, as I said, we might think that our brain is the boss, but actually our enteric brain in evolutionary terms may have actually developed first so is it really our second brain or is is our enteric brain actually the boss of us so just getting back to this suppose gut health and anxiety I think that understanding this relationship will help us to understand why we might feel butterflies in our tummy say before you have to do a presentation or or something that we're nervous about or even get pains in our tummy during times of stress So it doesn't mean that these symptoms are all in our head. Psychology combines with physical factors to cause the pain and other bowel symptoms. So stress or anxiety, depression or other psychological factors can affect movement and contractions in our GI tract. So basically they can impact the performance of our digestive system and that motility that I mentioned earlier earlier on. So many people with functional gastrointestinal disorders perceive pain more acutely than other people do because their brains are actually more responsive to pain signals from the GI tract. So stress can make existing pain seem even worse. Multiple studies have also found that um, psychologically-based approaches leads to greater improvement in digestive systems compared with only conventional medical treatments. Actually, according to Harvard Health, Given this strong mind-body-brain-gut connection, it should come as no surprise that mind-body tools such as meditation, mindfulness, breathing exercises, yoga, and gut-directed hypnotherapy have all been shown to help improve GI symptoms, improve mood, and decrease anxiety. And this is because they decrease the body's stress response by dampening the sympathetic nervous system, so that's our fight or flight, and enhancing our parasympathetic response which is our rest and digest and so that all decreases inflammation and we, we did a podcast about that as well our fight or flight and rest and digest that was called the state of us if you want to check that one out so when you visit a nutritional therapist we will often actually chat to you about your stress levels and your uh, if you have hobbies if you can relax you know what your work life balance is like because all of these things you can eat the best food in the world but if your stress levels are too high, going back again to the four pillars of our health, if your stress levels are too high that has a huge impact on the functioning of your gut and how beneficial all of these good foods are going to be for you. So it's like laying the foundation for your digestive health is is managing your stress levels. Deep breathing is something that really everybody can do. So some people might just not be attracted to meditation as such but Deep breathing, that big, long exhale helps activate that parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. You can um, do it before you have a meal is a really good idea. Bring yourself back down into rest and digest. Um, Belly breathing is fantastic. If you could do this for a couple of minutes a day, and this is where you inhale slowly and deeply through your nose into your abdomen. So if you put your hand on your tummy and you you push it out. As you're breathing in, you push your tummy out and you just get as much air as you can into those lungs. So you breathe as deeply as it feels comfortable and your chest should remain still. Often when we think, you know, when we go to take a deep breath, we kind of, it's our chest that seems to get uh, filled up, you know, and we lift our chest. What I want you to do is just, if you push out your tummy, then you're actually really filling out your lungs there. Exhale through your mouth, sort of Uh, making like a whooshing sound and gently blow out all the air and completely empty your lungs. So this deep breathing supplies more oxygen to all of our body parts, including the digestive system and improves our intestinal strength, which aids overall digestion, and it is going to help your body absorb all the new, the good food that you're you're eating, the nutrients from the good food that you're eating. And it provides um, enhanced levels of energy to all our body cells, because obviously we're getting more oxygen, you know, to all of the cells. There is another breathing exercise for, this is if you're in a situation where your anxiety is heightened, you know, where you feel like you're having a panic attack, and this is where you close over your right nostril, So pop your thumb on on your right nostril so that it's closed and breathe in through your left nostril to the count of five. So one, two, three, four, five. So nice and sort of slowly like that. Hold to the count of five and then you breathe out. You exhale through the same left nostril to the count of five. Hold again, to the count to five and repeat that about five times until you feel calm. And what you're doing there, breathing in through your left nostril is again, activating that parasympathetic nervous system to bring yourself back into rest and digest. So breathing is a powerful tool that all of us can use to improve our health, you know, and to, to maintain our health as well but it would be really beneficial if you could build in, you know, five to 10 minutes um, mindful breathing. So that's just literally breathing deeply and counting your breaths first thing in the morning, just get your day off to a good start. And maybe before you go to sleep as well, you know, to, to bring yourself back down into rest and digest to, um, to hopefully improve the quality of your sleep then as well. So if our gut has such a huge impact on our brain and that is going to impact how our day pans out for us. So the better the mood we're in, the better things go, as you know. So how can we help to keep our gut in good shape? So we want to feed that good gut bacteria, which means obviously less sugar because sugar feeds our bad gut bacteria and that's going to upset the balance. It does other things as well, um, which we'll, we'll talk about again. But what we want to talk about now are prebiotics, which are foods that feed our good gut bacteria. And there are things like whole grains. So anything with fiber is great. So whole grains like oats are fantastic. Uh, they're a great uh, prebiotic. So again, have your porridge for breakfast, you know. Um, bananas are good. Greens, so our green vegetables, onions, garlic, soybeans, beans, artichokes are fantastic if you can get them. And resistant starch. So resistant starch is interesting. Um, So as you you know, uh, when you cook food, it changes the chemistry of it. So it softens it. Basically, we cook our vegetables to make them softer so that we can we can digest them better. So when you're cooking potatoes, that obviously changes the chemistry and they become soft. And then as they cool down, that changes the chemistry again. And when porridge cools and when potatoes cool down, they Uh, develop this resistant starch, which is really beneficial for your gut bacteria. So at this time of year, homemade potato salad is actually really good for your good gut bacteria. And I have a recipe for it on my website, so I'll stick that in the show notes. Probiotics, so they're prebiotics. So prebiotics feed our good gut bacteria. So then you probably are all aware about probiotics which are live bacteria or yeasts and they're found in fermented food and they add to our good gut bacteria so you'll be familiar with yogurt now not all yogurts are equal so you want to buy natural yogurt Um, if you are adding too many sweeteners and too many gimmicky things to yogurts of course the sugar you know isn't going to isn't going to help so natural yogurt is the best if you're not mad keen on the, the uh, taste of it, you can always put in your Nutribullet or your blender and add some fruit to it yourself so you can make up your own fruit flavoured yogurt. Sauerkraut is amazing. Um, you get sauerkraut traditionally, I suppose, uh, you know, it's often made with cabbage, but actually, there's some fantastic uh, cultured food companies now in Ireland making uh, sauerkraut out of, you know, different vegetables, you know, like even carrots and, and different vegetables. So I'm going to put a link to the cultured food company in Cork. Um, and you'll often find really good sauerkraut, at, you know, at some of your local markets, um, maybe in Polish uh, supermarkets as well. Um, I think it's becoming a little bit more available, but even a fork full of sauerkraut every day, is hugely beneficial for your good gut bacteria and it's actually delicious. The best way that I can describe it to someone who hasn't tasted it before is just that it's like a tangy coleslaw, you know, it's just like shredded vegetables and it's got a sort of a tangy flavor to it. Absolutely delicious. it would be even more beneficial if you had a couple of different types of sauerkraut. So, you know, a few different um, vegetables, fermented vegetables in your fridge and had a different one every day because you're getting different strains of bacteria And um, that way, you know. So really super. As I said, literally even just a fork full a day of sauerkraut is hugely beneficial for your gut. I personally would eat more than one uh, when, when I have it, but um, it's fab. So kimchi, kefir. Uh, kombucha, so kefir and kombucha are drinks, and again, there's more Irish companies actually making kefir and kombucha, and you can get. So kombucha would be dairy free, but kefir um, may be made with dairy, but you can also get dairy free versions if if you uh, if you can't take dairy. Miso, again, you'll see um, you might see miso soup in some of your health food shops. Again, that's um, that's uh, another great fermented food. So eating a diverse range of whole foods. So your rainbow colors of vegetables with very few refined carbohydrates and reducing your processed foods. So again, reduce down your white flour, your sugar, your additives and, you know, just to the the minimum. And uh, that means that your gut has a better chance of flourishing and being healthier. So the other things that we can do um, to help our gut or to acknowledge and deal with any allergies or insensitivities that we may have. So for certain individuals, certain kinds of foods can trigger specific reactions in your gut and they might require a, a, like a quite specific food plan in order to heal their gut. So for example, I'm celiac, so I would just never have gluten. Some people may find that they have an insensitivity to gluten or wheat and once their tummy is healed, they can handle a, you know, a small amount of it. But it would be really important to make sure that you heal your gut and take time out if you have a sensitivity or an allergy to make sure that your gut is fully healed and working properly and then you can reintroduce some of these foods um in a planned way to make sure that they're not um they're not still an issue for you but if you think that 70 percent of your immune system is in your gut that it has a huge impact on your brain, which has an impact on your mood and your behavior, which in turn has an impact on on how your life is, you know, how how happy or satisfied you are in your life and how good your relationships are around you, then why wouldn't you just make sure that if uh, food is triggering you in some way, remove it, sort out the issue and stick with eating foods that actually make you feel good. They have that direct impact on your life. You know, foods rich in polyphenols are really good for your gut as well. So the good news is that's dark chocolate, a little bit of red wine um, red grapes. Green tea is super. And again, it's full of antioxidants. Almonds are a great source of polyphenols and have loads of recipes with almonds on the website as well. Onions, blueberries, broccoli. So these are all foods that we can incorporate every day. Now, just going back to the probiotics, the probiotic foods, the fermented foods, um, I would always have probiotics on hand, you know, so that if there are days when I don't think I eat a couple of fermented foods, like if I have no sauerkraut or whatever, then I'll have probiotics as well. And it's a good idea to change up your probiotics. You can get probiotics for specific conditions as well. So always get advice. But if you're just generally taking probiotics for health, then it's a good idea to switch them up. And maybe I might have biocults this month and I might have OptiBac next month because I'm getting different strains of probiotics and that good lives bacteria. There's another piece of uh, research that I just wanted to mention to you as well. So this is from the University of Tsukuba in japan i hope i've pronounced that properly and this suggests that gut bacterium may also influence normal sleep patterns by helping to create important chemical messengers in the brain such as our serotonin and our dopamine so actually um our our gut um can influence our sleep and again sleep has such a huge impact on our life you know our our health and our lives you know so again that's just one more reason why we should look after the health of our gut I myself and Michelle, um, Michelle Hutton from Body Oral Therapies, we actually did a video about sleep. So I'll actually put a link to that in the show notes as well because there's some good tips in there, some good information, and um, hopefully, which will motivate you to pick up on some of the tips. So, just to mention something that I probably do and I will mention a lot, and that's the vagus nerve. So this, is, this really plays an essential part in that gut-brain axis, so that gut-brain communication system. It helps to modulate inflammation, maintain our intestinal balance, and it regulates our food intake, our satiety, which is how full we feel, and our energy balance. So it's really, really important to keep our vagus nerve in, in good nick. So the things that we can do to actually strengthen our vagus nerve so we can do alternate nostril breathing. So this could be a breathing exercise that you do maybe first thing in the morning when you wake up and it's for balance, you know? So balances that rest and digest and that fight or flight. And it's so similar to the exercise we did earlier where we closed over the, the right nostril. We're gonna close over the right nostril, breathe in through the left, and then we swap over, close over our left nostril and breathe out through our right. And then we breathe in through our right nostril, hold and swap again, and then breathe out through our left nostril. Um, do that again to the count of five and do that for, um, for a few minutes. So do it either five times or even for five minutes. And that's actually really good to strengthen our vagus nerve and just make us feel more balanced at the beginning of the day. Cold compress to, to our face or the back of our neck. So that's just if you get your face cloth and put it under the cold tap, soak it, uh, squeeze it, and then just apply it to the back of your neck or your face. And that can actually help to stimulate that vagus nerve as well. So just even breathing deeply and slowly, like we mentioned earlier. Things like doing something nice for somebody, you know, complimenting other people, saying thank you, just you know, having um being 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 pleasant and kind to people around you actually helps you as well. Of course, walking in nature, eating our whole foods helps the vagus nerve as well. So any exercise that you enjoy, and of course, laughing and giggling is brilliant for the vagus nerve. And you'll notice that if you're laughing, you can't be anxious about the past or worrying about the future when you're laughing that is one of those things that you're just in the present moment in of course listening to calming music or just happy music and dancing and singing is all really good for for the vagus nerve and then you can have therapy so there's fantastic massage reflexology you know different therapies therapies that you can uh, benefit from you know and which will help the vagus nerve as well so just as a reminder for our top six tips to help your gut eat your prebiotic foods eat fermented food or take probiotics, eat your whole grains and vegetables for fiber, practice your deep breathing, and practice means a few minutes every single day. That's much more beneficial than, say, doing like a half hour on a Sunday. If you uh, do even two to five minutes of breathing exercises even to start with every single day, that has a cumulative effect and builds up. So that that's what practice means, keep doing it and then we want to just be aware that we're in rest and digest more than we're we're in fight or flight fight or flight is good sometimes a little bit of stress is good sometimes it can you know make us run across the road if there's a car coming or we might have a deadline that you know we need to get get some some work done or something like that but we just shouldn't be in it too much of the time and then the final tip is just laugh giggle sing be nice to other people you know that's not not too hard to do since we've been talking about the brain today, I thought our store cupboard staple could be a little nut which packs a big nutritional punch and actually looks a little bit like a brain as well, and that's a walnut. So, of course, this is unless you have a tree nut allergy, in which case, um obviously steer clear. But walnuts are like, like other nuts, you know, they have great healthy fats, protein, and fiber. But in particular, you know, how are walnuts really good for us? So they have um some calcium iron potassium magnesium folate those good polyunsaturated fats and also omega 3 fatty acids and omega 3 is really anti-inflammatory and it you know oily fish is really good for omega you know omega 3 but in terms of plant sources uh you know walnuts is is good as well as uh, flax seeds, chia seeds too. So studies have shown that eating walnuts can help to lower our bad cholesterol in particular, but also our cholesterol overall. Of course that, means, you know, as part of a healthy balanced diet. Now with nuts, you don't actually need to eat a whole pile of them. So remember, they do have fats in them, but they're obviously healthy fats, but you still need to manage your proportions, you know, so up to like six or seven walnuts a day is plenty for you to get those really good and nutritional nutritional benefits. They also contain a type of acid called elagic acid found in pecans as well but basically bacteria in your stomach and intestines change this acid into compounds with antioxidant power and um, there's more research going on Um, it's being studied for and for its anti-inflammatory cancer-fighting properties you know they, they may have um this allergic acid may be beneficial for a variety of chronic health conditions Walnuts also contain um, B vitamins, E um, and magnesium and all of these things are really important for strengthening your hair cuticles and nourishment of your scalp. So walnuts are actually really good for your hair as well um, and also those antioxidants that we mentioned they can help um, protect our skin against environmental aggressors so you know pollution and other impurities um, which of course in turn helps um, the appearance of premature fine lines and wrinkles. Now they're also a good Food source of melatonin which helps with the quality of our sleep. Normally I would say don't eat anything for about two hours before you go to bed so that you know you're finished digesting and then your body can get busy you know renewing and repairing when you're asleep. However for some people especially when they're trying to sort of change and, and get back to a better sleep um, they may find that a sugar spike or feeling hungry is actually waking them up. So If you're gonna have anything before you go to sleep, a handful of nuts would would probably be your best choice. So the protein is going to help you stay feeling full. And the fiber is obviously good good for the gut. And then the melatonin in the walnuts, you know, is going to help with the quality of your sleep as well. So they would be a good choice if if you had to have something before you went to bed. They also are good for your hair because they contain uh, biotin and vitamin E and a lot of magnesium. So all of these are required to strengthen our hair cuticles and nourish our scalp as well. All of the antioxidants that we've mentioned and and the the vitamin B, they help to protect our skin against environmental aggressors as well. So, you know, too much sun, maybe pollution, other impurities around us. So obviously that can contribute to reducing skin damage and the appearance of, of fine lines and wrinkles. Um, I I guess just we recap there, they're rich in antioxidants. Um, they are a great plant source of omega-3, which obviously helps to decrease inflammation in our body, and the fibre helps to promote a healthy gut and the good fats, you know. So so overall, you know, walnuts are, are a great choice and um, to have in your store cupboard. So, what are you going to do with them? Well, they're just brilliant, it's brilliant to have a handful of like nuts or seeds if you're having a piece of fruit. And the reason is because fruit does still contain fructose which is like a sugar as well but actually the protein and the fiber in the nuts is going to help slow down the release of that sugar into the blood which is just mentioned a while ago as well so they're absolutely delicious i love them with bananas i think walnuts and bananas go really well together you know but they're lovely with apples as well you know so just just to have a handful with a piece of fruit is a really really good easy way to get them in Um, you can also obviously chop them up and add them into if you're making maybe an oat bread or a banana bread Um, so they can be used in baking really well and I would put them into um, I mix it up when I make my my almond cookies you know I'd mix up the the, you know I'd put different nuts uh, chop nuts in with them every time so they work well in that and also granola bars the recipes for both are on my website so I'll put links in the show notes as well but they're Walnuts are actually lovely in a salad with um, apple and celery apple, celery, walnuts, and a little uh, salad dressing. Absolutely delicious. And um, so you, th- there's loads of ways, you know, you can sprinkle them over your salad, over soup. Um, you know, there's absolutely loads of ways. But again, I would say have them in a glass jar, you know, somewhere so so that, that you can see them, not at the back of the press. And uh, I think I, I find myself anyway that when I can see these ingredients, you know, I, I, I use them more often. So hopefully there's some motivation there for you to include some walnuts in, uh, in your shopping basket this week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to clarify that the podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute professional care from a doctor or trained health professional, nor does it constitute medical advice or services if you're in a, in a position to need either. However, if you find it interesting, you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes or sign up for my newsletter on lyncharkynutrition.ie.